You are now listening to my dad's podcast. Welcome back. This is part two of the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, OB Don'ts. In this episode, we will cover the remaining five of 15 OB don'ts according to the things that patients and physicians should question from the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine. All right, let's get back to number 11. Number 11, don't recommend diagnostic testing following sonographic identification of isolated echogenic intracardiac focus or isolated choroid plexus cyst in women who've already had a low-risk result aneuploidy screen. The concept of using ultrasonographic soft markers for aneuploidy like the echogenic cardiac focus or choroid plexus cyst was introduced in an era that predated screening for Down syndrome. Now, because the sensitivity of cell-free DNA testing for Downs approaches 99%, the residual risk for Down syndrome is very low in patients who have a negative cell-free DNA screening result. Given the low a priori risk, the presence of an isolated echogenic focus or choroid plexus cyst is unlikely to increase the detection rate for aneuploidy to any measurable degree. In addition, for a woman with an isolated echogenic focus or choroid plexus cyst on a second trimester ultrasound in the setting of a negative first or second trimester aneuploidy screening test result, a reasonable approach is to consider the presence of the isolated finding as a normal variant. Now, recent guidelines from the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine state that diagnostic testing should not be recommended to patients solely for the indication of an isolated echogenic cardiac focus or choroid plexus cyst in the setting of a negative cell-free DNA screening test result. Number 12. Don't perform serial cervical length measurements following cerclage placement. Although progressive cervical shortening after cerclage placement does increase the risk of preterm birth, neither overall cervical length nor the amount of cervical length below the stitch correlates well with any outcome. More importantly, there are currently no additional treatment options for a short cervix after cerclage has already been placed. In other words, reinforcement suture does not improve outcomes. Although there may be theoretical psychological benefits to the patient and the provider to visualize the stitch, there are insufficient data to suggest a clinical benefit of routine post-cerclage cervical length measurement or surveillance. We're off to number 13. Number 13, don't test women for MTHFR mutations. MTHFR is responsible for the conversion of 5,10-methylene tetrahydrofolate to 5-methyltetrahydrofolate. Now, genetic variant C677T and A1286C have been associated with a mild decrease in enzymatic activity, which in the setting of reduced folate levels has been found to be a risk factor for hyperhomocystinemia. 
although hyperhomocysteinemia is a risk factor for cardiovascular disease and venous thrombosis, its cause is multifactorial and independent of the MTHFR genotype even in homozygotic individuals. Despite some very early, mostly case control studies that did find an association between MTHFR genotype and adverse pregnancy outcomes, recent studies of more robust design have not been able to replicate those findings. So, due to a lack of evidence associating this genotype independently with thrombosis, recurrent pregnancy loss, or any other adverse outcome in pregnancy, MTHFR genotyping should not be ordered as part of a generic workup of thrombophilia or, in general, any adverse pregnancy outcome. Next, number 14. Number 14. Don't screen asymptomatic pregnant women for subclinical hypothyroidism. I know this is a little touchy because people like checking for TSH, but its value is pretty limited. Subclinical hypothyroidism is defined as an elevated serum TSH in the presence of a normal T4 and is found in 2% to 5% of otherwise healthy pregnant women. Subclinical hypothyroidism is unlikely to progress to overt hypothyroidism during pregnancy. Now, while some authorities and organizations have recommended routine screening for all pregnant women and subsequent treatment with levothyroxine, two recent large, and that's over 100,000 women, prospective randomized clinical trials of screening and treatment for subclinical hypothyroidism demonstrated no effect of treatment on the offspring at up to five years of age, and that included IQ. Now, because treatment for subclinical hypothyroidism has not resulted in a beneficial effect on outcomes, routine screening for subclinical hypothyroidism is not currently recommended. Now, targeted screening for women at risk of overt hypothyroidism is still appropriate, and that can include prior personal history or repetitive family history of hypothyroidism. Next, let's finish up the podcast with number 15. Well, we're at number 15. Don't use amniotic fluid index, the AFI, to make a diagnosis of oligohydramnios, especially in the third trimester. Amniotic fluid volume can be measured using either the AFI or the deepest vertical pocket. Diagnosis of oligo based on an AFI less than 5 has been found to lead to a greater number of OB interventions without a significant benefit in improving perinatal outcome. It is advised to use a single deepest vertical pocket of less than 2 centimeters for the diagnosis of oligohydramnios. Again, use the deepest vertical pocket of less than 2 centimeters for the diagnosis of oligohydramnios. That has been the last five of the 15 of the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine OB Don'ts. Thanks for listening to Clinical Pearls. We'll see you next time.